Welcome to Turn It Up, an intermittent podcast from Turning, your hybrid learning leader, celebrating the potential and the people uh, behind effective hybrid learning solutions. Turning is committed to engaged and equitable learning for everyone, everywhere. So if you're an educator or a student or a trainer or a worker or just an overall believer in equitable and engaged learning, you have come to the right place. Uh, We got another great show for you today. Uh, we're going to get a little culture here as we have Turning's own uh, international man of mystery, uh, Mr. John Pincott with us today. Uh, John is the managing director of all things international here at Turning and uh, has really carved out a, a, a cool career in, uh, in kind of the e-commerce, e-solutions, uh, e-learning, e-everything space from uh, uh, the other side of the pond, as they say. Um, although I suppose uh, you don't say that if you're on the other side of the pond, then this would be the other side of the pond. But anyway, I digress here. Uh, anyway, John uh, started his international uh, journey uh, very early in life. He was born in Canada, went to school in Canada, and then uh, and then really never uh, never looked back on, on both uh, kind of the global front and the tech front. Uh, he comes to turning after some Really impressive and expansive uh, tech-based turns in both the private and the public sectors, including uh, uh, working with the British government cabinet office, which uh, no doubt led to Brexit. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> and is ushering in uh, this latest evolution of hybrid learning solutions for for turning here uh, in Europe, in Latin America, and, uh, and beyond. So anyway. Joining us all the way from uh, London, I believe, uh, but we'll ask for clarifier there. Let's get ready to turn it up with Mr. John Pincott. Hey, John. Hey, Jeff. Um, thanks for that um, that great introduction. I should have recorded that. Oh, I'll get the recording. I might, <laughs> exactly. I might transcribe that and put that on my bio. Exactly. Thanks. Yeah, we'll, we'll snip that for you. You can use that for your walk up uh, next time you're speaking somewhere. <laughs> cool. Um, and just to clarify, now you are are you in London proper? Are you kind of outside of London? I, I haven't. Uh, you haven't invited me over to visit yet, so I, I don't exactly know where you're uh, where you're calling in from today. Well, I live in central London. Okay. And for those who really know London well, I'm in West London and in West Kensington. So just a little bit, if you know Hyde Park, I'm probably I don't know, five, five minute drive up the road as cool. you go West. So well, that's in awesome. the heart. That's great. Well, thanks. Uh, so thanks for being here today. And for listeners here, uh, I'm going to violate uh, a little bit of a tenet of syndicated uh, sort of production here by, I'm going to timestamp this uh, a bit by saying it's Friday morning here uh, in the States, uh, which means it's Friday afternoon. Uh, for John. So we are, uh, I'm very, I'm uh, especially grateful because we're uh, encroaching on something that uh, for a Friday, probably, probably getting into happy hour over there uh, time. I, I assume there's some sort of like similar sort of uh, uh, celebration of a week's end over there uh, in, in London. Do you have something like that? Do you have like happy well, hours the, over there? The, the pub is, the pub is calling and <laughs> okay. uh, we're, we're okay. experiencing in these parts, what they call a heat wave. Probably if you were in Phoenix 
or in Arizona somewhere, you'd think this was a balmy, balmy day or even a cool day. But here it's 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 pretty hot. So I think right. the pubs will be overflowing at the end of today. All right. All right. Well, chop, chop. Let's get to it here. Uh, and so we're, we'll, we'll just kind of we'll, we'll just kind of jump in. And one thing, you know, in addition to uh, to uh, happy hours that uh, that I think, you know, all of our kind of geographies have in common is, of course, technology and uh, and the progress uh, of all of it um, is something that uh, that we have in common. So we'll kind of jump into it. You know, we're going to talk about your background and all this kind of stuff, but let's kind of let's kind of get right kind of to brass tacks about, you know, you've you've spent a career um, you know, in, in these kind of international markets in technology, you know, what, what kind of, um, uh, and this is, I realize a very ethnocentric question to start with here as I sit here, you know, in, 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 you know, nestled in Minnesota here, uh, but what, you know, what kind of differences, uh, if any, do you see, or have you seen, uh, in, in working with, the markets you work with, um, you know, around technology and, 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 you know, do you see more differences or commonalities, you know, kind of in this whole space of, of, you know, ed tech or e-learning or what, however you want to define it, you know, do you find that, you know, sort of standards and rules and things are being set, you know, that you are adapting to, or, or is, do you find more similarities, you know, over the years that you've worked in this space? Well, given my background and the things that I've done, I'd be remiss if I didn't jump in with that that first that first sort of framing of the concept of international in different markets, and that mm. is the go global, think local. Yeah, and um, you know, we at, at Turning and all the companies I've worked for um, over my career have all had global aspirations and worked in in on an international basis in in many countries. And, you know, the, the real trick of success is doing two things. Firstly, it is identifying some of those differences, um, but also recognizing where there's commonality, you know, and from a pure business perspective, it's about leveraging, you know, the things that are common. So you're not replicating them. And that's kind of been my secret of success on running international businesses. It's, you know, leverage the assets out of home base, wherever that may be, but then you localize as and where you need to. And that could be as subtle as or as basic as, you know, language or spelling. And we're all familiar with the, uh, you know, the, the, the English, UK, UK English and American English or Canadian English differences. Mm-hmm. But it's also, there are other subtle nuances around culture and how you, you know, how you, um, you know, present yourself and your value proposition. Mm-hmm. And I do have, I'll give you my quick, my really quick little anecdote on that. And that was, I was working for a business and we had a U.S. advertising campaign and it was a, it was a shipping operational business. And it, and, and the catchphrase was, I shipped my pants. And, um, and, you know, everybody thought that was hilarious. And then we played it out in the UK. And first of all, pants in the UK are a little bit different than pants in the US, of course, they're underwear. Mm. And the association with I Ship My Pants, despite the English sense of humor, thought yeah. it was pretty revolting. And actually, it failed miserably. So there you go. That's a good example yeah, of go global. Great. You have to really think local. Yeah, I do remember that campaign. That was very funny. So, so, so was it the, let's, so let's dial it back a little bit. Was it those you know, kind of nuances and, and, you know, kind of the, 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 um, the curiosity about them. It, how far back did that go for you? You know, growing up, you know, you're born in Canada, went to school in Canada, but then you pretty immediately, you know, kind of got, it, it was almost like you got right on a plane and started exploring. Did you, did you grow up with that kind of sense of, you know, um, 
uh, interest and curiosity and kind of adventure? Or when did that really, when did that click in for you? Well, I think I was really lucky in where I was born. So I grew up in Montreal in Canada. And for those who know, that is the French part, French speaking part of Canada. But those with keen ear will hear that I have an English accent and I am English. So I was part of the minority, but I grew mm-hmm. up in, in a very French culture. So I think from an early stage, I, you know, I had that perspective of, you know, cultural differences. Um, and then I was also, I also have four grandparents who were all Brits. So, I sort of had this natural affinity for thinking a little more broadly than mm-hmm. solely Canada, I guess, and and also had an affinity for the culture of where I've spent most of my career, which is in London. Yeah. Do you feel like growing up here, uh, here, like kind of more in the whatever uh, North America kind of thing? Uh, you know, it, it, do you do you feel like you've kind of got a foot? Kind of on, on on both sides of uh, the the pond, as they say, or you know, has that has that helped to kind of have some some grounding, you know, kind of back, you know, sort of westward here, or or do you feel like it's really your experience has been more of one that you just really see everything as part of one big thing? You know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily a foot in both camps. It's like you're just. You just got the, the the feeder in the world, and that's kind of a heavy question for so early in the morning. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, is it? I do. Is it... Well, I, I guess I can answer that. In, you know, a bit of a cliche. I think of myself as a citizen of the world. I admit yeah. I do have dual nationality, but you know, from a career perspective and the and the work that I've done, it's really having that. You know, I think I I I identified early on that I had a unique position or situation where, you know, I was North American, I understood the North American culture, I'd had some, you know, my education there and early career, I worked for American Express, that's where I kind of cut my teeth in the corporate world. And, um, and also, I, as I said, I had this affinity for, you know, the English culture. And, you know, so I've been able to really, I guess, I'm an expert at translating or Mm -hmm. localizing, you know, it's taking the things that work in one market and, and applying them in another. Yeah. Um, and so in that respect, I guess I have a little bit of a foot in, in both, in both yeah. camps. Well, and that localization thing, that is something I wanted to talk about too. You know, I think one thing that, that, um, that especially folks, you know, if they don't, if they haven't traveled a lot and they don't, you know, really understand the, the, um, almost hyper locality of a lot of, a lot of, you know, kind of, again, from, from, from the United States perspective, everything's international except here, uh, which is, which is kind of silly, but you know, the, the, um, you know, the range that you and your team, uh, at turning the, the range of culture, the range of diversity, the range of, uh, is, is, is much broader than, you know, and yes, there's differences here in the States between, you know, Oklahoma and, and Idaho, but you know, it's, it, there are, I think there's more in common than not. How, how do you and your team manage? And the nice thing is you've got technology, which is sort of a common language. That's kind of the language of the world, if you will, citizens of the world and language of the world. But I would imagine that, that, that you and your team really have to be dialed in to, to much more than just, well, you know, do we include the you in this word or not? You know what I mean? It's not just about that surface level, um, those surface level differences, because you're getting into just the cultural variety is so much, uh, so much more dispersed than, than here, I, I feel, than in the States. Is that true? 
Oh, for for sure. And I'm really lucky. I mean, we have a, we have a relatively small team that is running our international business, and that's because we can. Back to my comment about you leverage what you what mm-hmm. you've got, and you don't replicate it, and you know you kind of go go local and localize where required. And so, you know, we have a small team, and of that team, so there are eight currently within the within the quote unquote international team. We've got seven nationalities represented in that eight. Wow. So I'm really lucky, as I said, to have have a pretty diverse team, both in in areas of experience, but also, um, you know, language, of course, and, mm-hmm. and, and culture. So that really helps. Um, and as a result of and all of those, all of them work in tech and have had careers in tech. So, you know, part of their story is that idea of being able to, you know, understand the cultural nuances. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of tech has originated, you know, out of the US. And in fact, as I think of my, my career, I have worked, I've, I've run business all over the world in Asia and Latin America, you know, across Europe, but it's almost exclusively been for US based companies. So mm-hmm. I used to say my second home was Silicon Valley, but uh, mm-hmm. that's happily no longer the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what has the, you know, you, I touched on this in your intro, you've, you know, now you're at turning where, you know, squarely kind of in that, you know, that zone of, of, you know, learning and, you know, and hybrid learning and working and training and things like that. But I mean, you've been in, you've been in e-commerce and I mean, at, you know, shop.com, all these kinds of places. So you've, you've, ex- you've experienced and you've led tech uh, from a variety of different, you know, kind of angles, what has the, and so maybe it, it, maybe the question I'm going to ask is, is it's going to differ by, you know, kind of by angle, but what have you experienced from an adoption standpoint in the, in the markets that you are just kind of ushering in these various technologies? Do you find that, you know, compared to, let's just compare it to the U S you know, do you find that, that, you know, kind of these international markets are more uh, eager, you know, to embrace the technologies and, you know, the things that we're doing at turning now, are you finding that, you know, once we get them in front of, you know, schools or, or companies that, that, that the, they're just ready for it and let's go, or do you, or do you find that, you know, it, it maybe takes, you know, a little bit more, um, to kind of, kind of warm it up and, and kind of get it in, or is there, are there any, any consistencies across the various, you know, kind of segments that you've led? Um, yes, for sure. If I think back to you know the varying companies that I've I've worked for and, and represented and help help spread their wings and grow, you know, there's kind of a common thread that follows them all. And maybe it is just being part of technology, but it's that focus on driving efficiency in some mm-hmm. level or area of operation. Mm-hmm. So if you think of it really conceptually as you know, what are they trying to do? They're trying to you know make something easier. And I'll come back to that theme, I'm sure, through our chat. But you know, it's driving efficiency and and that that's a need and a desire regardless of your business yeah. area your culture your you know where you are geographically on the planet yeah. you know everybody is looking to do things in a better way or more efficiently and technology helps to drive that so you know yeah. they always have had that that common thread and as i think back to and now i think about education and quite you know kind of I was, I have, I have, a, I've had little snippets of experience in, in education. A number of years back, I tried to buy a language learning business and um, my whole thesis and plan for our VC, the VC investors that I went, you know, pitched it in front of was this concept of hybrid learning. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a language learning business, as I said. And so it was all about how actually marrying both virtual and physical experience in learning, you know, is a far better formula than either on their, either on their own. And yeah. so 
um, it's kind of taking, turning is for me opened up this avenue of, of taking all the things that I had done and the technologies, that thread of driving efficiency, but then, you know, applying it within, within education or within ed, within ed tech. And that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of how I, how this became, you know, joining turning was a bit of a dream come true from that yeah. perspective. Yeah. Well, a little, little prescient there. You, you were, you saw, you saw, you were a little ahead of your time and now you're here. That's great. Uh, and that, that actually, that actually, that's a perfect, uh, perfect segue um, to uh, kind of our last question here. So <clears throat> it's crazy how time flies so, so fast here, but you know, to wrap up, we are uh, we're at our closing segment of the show. We uh, that we we wrap it up for the, for all of the listeners out there. You know, this is kind of how we land the plan here. A uh, little segment that we like to call "Turning the Page." <clears throat> and so we're not we're not above or below uh, puns here at Turning. Anyway, it's the regular part of the show where uh, if we haven't gotten to it already, we give each of our guests the chance to kind of look into a little bit of a crystal ball uh, uh, to see or wish or predict the future and so so here you were john however many years ago talking about hybrid learning and it came true so you're going to be awesome at this part uh, of the show so no pressure but we're everyone's going to get their pencils out and, and write down what you're going to say here so uh, so john uh, as you uh turn the page uh to the future of uh of of kind of this space that we're in okay so we'll fence it in a little bit here you don't have to tackle like you know well everything here. So kind of the, the future of hybrid learning, technology, these solutions, this whole kind of like stew of, of, of things that turning and, and others are, are involved in. What, what, you know, what do you see in five years in, in the schools and in the, in the workplaces and, and, you know, in the life, the lives that we're kind of dealing with here? You know, how is it different? How is it, how is it better five years from now than it is today? G- great. <clears throat> I love it. I'm pol- I've polished my crystal ball. <laughs> and I'm going to give you my my two cents on it. But I, before I do, I just want to put a bit of context to this, which is that I'm sure you know, at this at this stage, many guests are, are covering this topic in one form or another. But I think you know we're living through you know the greatest or one of the greatest and most accelerated change management challenges in history. You know, while COVID kind of thrust us into it, there was already an evolution, already in motion. I think sort of the post-baby boomer generation questioning the status quo, looking for better ways to do things. COVID's just brought it to the fore mm. and made things happen faster. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of the context I think we have to put in looking at what this five years forward look like. And I think, you know, this new age is all about, as I talked about, efficiency, um, ease of use, but, you know, better use of time. I think everybody is driven by or been a lot more aware of time than they have in the past and, you know, job satisfaction and in a way, you know, above all that holy grail pursuit of kind of pursuit of happiness. So if you put that into my my broader context of, you know, what does education broadly look like in, you know, in, in five years time? You know, I think, and what do we need to do differently? And I think if I focus on that, you know, I think educators and, you know, by and instructors broadly, anybody who's got content or they've got an idea and they're trying to educate somebody else need to take much more of a customer centric approach to what they do and how they do it in a way. Think of your students and employees as your consumers and focus on what they want and what the best experience is for them 
And it's a concept that you and I have known from marketing forever, mm-hmm. but one that I feel has been somewhat lacking in the educational world. It's almost like we have the, we have the, we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you. We're going to teach you yeah. here. You know, it, it's, it's really, I see a big shift happening into that much more, um, you know, personalized type of experience generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and education is going to be no exception, you know, exception to that. I think smart educators and companies like Turning will get ahead of that change and even help form it by offering even better and more adaptive and individual services. So back to, you know, technology, using technology to, you know, facilitate those needs and make it easier. Change is always easier when you're moving from something that's more difficult to something that's easier. If you're moving from something difficult to difficult, that's, that's hard. It's difficult. So I have one other just on my, on my crystal ball, and I think it, 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 you need to look at the different sectors. So here's my, my quickie for you on what the workplace. The workplace, I think, in the, of the future in five years is going to be more of an extension of our homes and a place that fulfills the needs that can't be done remotely. I think we've all been enlightened to actually you can be pretty productive from home. It doesn't answer everything, but the workplace is, is going to change dramatically and the tools that we use to connect are going to are, need to change. Schools, so, you know, what we call in the U.S. K-12 here, their school level, you know, I think it's going to operate in a similar way, but, um, you know, because kids need to learn, you know, not only academics, but social and musical and sporting skills, which really require in person and to be present, um, albeit, I think, much more individual approach to the curriculum. And then the last sector that, you know, that, that, that we work with is universities. And I think they're likely to go through the biggest change where their whole physical location is going to become less important and the quality of their teaching and how they deliver it is going to be paramount to their survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And, and I think those are all, that is, uh, those are three really, really tight and, 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 uh, um, I think, uh, I think exciting uh, visions for for the future. So we got those all locked in. Listeners, uh, timestamp this, and then let's check back in here uh, in a few years and see and see how right John uh, was. So John uh, Pincott, thanks again for joining us. It was uh, a pleasure to uh, to hear from you, to hear a little bit of your story, and all the great stuff you're doing over there. And uh, so we will uh, we will let you get to the pub, say hi to all my friends over there this afternoon. And, uh, and you can raise a glass for all of us here uh, as we get through our, the rest of our morning <laughs> here on Friday. So thanks again, John. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff.